Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We encourage you, as always, to pass these along to your friends and family as we seek to continue to share the love of Christ and the power of his word uh, to all. To prepare our hearts and minds, let's take a moment to listen to some beautiful piano music. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today is from Paul's first letter to Timothy, the first chapter, starting at the first verse. Hear the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I urge you, as I did when I was on my way to Macedonia, to remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach different teachings and not to occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies that promote speculations rather than divine training that is known by faith. But the aim of such instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Some people have deviated from these and turned to meaningless talk, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it legitimately. This means understanding that the law is laid down not for the righteous, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the godless and sinful, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their father or mother, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who engage in illicit sex, slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I was entrusted. I'm grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful and appointed me to his service even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason, I received mercy so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience as an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I was summoned to jury duty. But this summons beckoned me not to the Sarasota County Courthouse, but to the federal courthouse in Tampa. As many times as I've been summoned to jury duty, I've never been selected to serve on a jury. And for the longest time, I believed in the myth that trial lawyers do what they can to avoid a person of the clergy for their panel. Some think clergy might be too harsh a judge. Others think that clergy might be too soft a judge. Law, grace. So I traveled up to Tampa with every assurance that I was only going to have to spend one day of my life there, only to find that they were not going to pick me. Well, sure enough, I got picked to serve as a member of a jury and not just a member, but as it turned out, a foreman. It was a five-day product liability trial in which we heard from what seemed to be dozens of witnesses about very, very technical things. And when the trial was over and the jury retired to deliberate on our verdict, we spent quite a long time talking about the evidence that was presented, but maybe as importantly, we, just, we talked about how we believed what we believed about the credibility of the witnesses. Did we trust them? Did we have a sense that they were telling us the truth? Did we think that they were truth tellers? Most of, most of us were relying on some part of our instinct. We finally then agreed on a verdict. And I learned something that week that 
what we come to believe, what we come to adhere to, depends to some degree on whether we trust the people who espouse the information, the knowledge. When I was in junior high school and my science teacher told me that there were rings around Saturn, I took his word for it, not because I had seen them, because I hadn't, but that I trusted him that he was telling me the truth. Well, we do this in our faith as well. We, we trust what is invisible to be real, largely by trusting those who have told us that the invisible is real. C.S. Lewis talks about this phenomenon in his brilliant essay entitled On Obstinacy and Belief, and he says this, in Christianity, faith is demanded of us, and there are situations in which we demand it of others. There are times when we can do all that a fellow creature needs if only he will trust us in getting a dog out of a trap, in extracting a thorn from a child's finger, in teaching a boy how to swim or rescuing one who can't, in, in getting a frightened beginner over a nasty place on a mountain. The one fatal obstacle may be their distrust. We are asking them to trust us in the teeth of their senses, their imagination and their intelligence. We ask them to believe that what is painful will actually relieve their pain and what looks dangerous is actually for their safety. We ask them to accept apparent impossibilities, that moving the paw further back into the trap is the way to get it out, or that hurting the finger very much more will stop the finger hurting, that, that holding on to the only support within reach is not the, not the way to avoid sinking, that to go higher and onto a more exposed ledge is the way not to fall. To support all these incredibilia, Lewis continues, we can rely only on the other party's confidence in us, a confidence certainly not based on demonstration, admittedly shot through with emotion, and perhaps, if we are strangers, resting on nothing but such assurance as the look of our face and the tone of our voice, or even for the dog on our smell. So much, you see, of faith is handed over and handed down through the perception that we create that we can be trusted. So when the Apostle Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, this young man whom he's instructing in apostleship and talking with him about the instruction that he will be offering potential disciples in the faith, he talks about how there are lots of false doctrines floating about that people could very well grab onto. And therefore, it is important to think not only what you're passing down, the, the content of what you're passing down, but also how you're passing it down. And more specifically, who are you that people might believe you, that might trust you? Paul says, the aim of your instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Who we are says a lot about what we think. Who was it that said that no one cares what you know until they know that you care? People want to see the evidences of our faith and the love of God in the very love that permeates our lives and makes its way to others. The greatest teachers I've ever had in my life, Mrs. DeWale in sixth grade, Mrs. Gerlinger in ninth grade, Mr. Zilke in 11th, Dr. Hess in college, Chapel McConnell in college, they all were people who oozed love and trustworthiness. They lived the truth they espoused. 
I would have believed anything they told me. When we wonder about what the future of the gospel might be, my guess is that it will have less to do with what we say or how well we articulate our faith and more to do with how we simply live it. What do our lives look like with the sound turned off? Or as Augustine said, preach the gospel and only if absolutely necessary, use words. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray that our lives may be our sermon and that the world through seeing who we are and what we do may, drawn, may be drawn to the one who fills us, even Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen.